Oh, oops, wrong photo. Okay, we're here. Welcome to the live. Very sorry that so much has happened this week. Obviously, James had an operation. Then I had a migraine. <laughs> Not quite the same level, but are we are we getting a little peek? surgery socks. Sad little sad sack. I I honestly think this is the cursed round. Not in terms of like. Just in terms of time, it's been mad. Um, but guys, you've been really patient. And also, like, Emma, I'm proud of us because we never didn't do a live, which is the main thing. Yeah, we just, still always get them in. We always get them in. We just maybe are not very punctual with them lately. Um, but you guys have been really supportive and really kind. And thank you for all the messages about James. And obviously yesterday with Emma, everyone was really lovely. So thank you. Um some things, actually, I was thinking about this lying in bed last night, because <laughs> clearly I'm insane. Um, a few tags we've had over the last few days have been interesting. So a few people have, and all power to them, admitted that they've only really just got the ball rolling in week five, week six, maybe week four. Um, and they haven't seen any results yet. And honestly, guys, if you haven't had that runway of consistency, then, and you've just got the ball rolling, I know that you see the time and like how we're coming to the end of this round. And hopefully you're going to stay on for another round because if the ball is rolling now, let's keep it going. Um, but really, if you've just got the ball rolling, it doesn't matter what week we're in. The same rules apply. Three to four weeks of 100% consistency, real weekly calorie intake. It doesn't have to be daily, but weekly. Your weekly SEP average. Um, and and if you haven't got that those three to four weeks, you probably aren't going to be seeing changes yet. Um, it takes a while. It doesn't just click into place day one, week one. It takes a minute. So be patient. And the second thing I would say, because that happened, this has happened to, I think I got three tags in the last two days about this. A lot of people uh, have said that, the former, and then said, I'm working out three days a week. Should I up it to four? Now, if you can up it to four, for all of you do, but the workouts have nothing to do with your results or speeding up your results. The workouts are there for entirely different reasons. This is fat loss specifically. It's all about your um, expenditure, but more predominantly your NEAT, so your steps um, and your calorie intake. So I just want to keep reiterating that because I'm still surprised, although you know, not, not judgmental at all, but I'm still surprised that people really do think that the fat loss results will come from the workouts. They won't. Yeah, even if it's like subconscious and you question it and you're like, do you really think that you know like given that you now understand that fat loss comes from energy balance and the best way to create a deficit is or the biggest impact on your deficit is going to be how much you move and how much you intake and yet there's still this like underlying oh yeah but if I do a fat burning workout I'll burn fat mm. and and yeah I was quite surprised by that as well and when I was speaking about high intensity interval training the other week and so many of the comments were well what's the best exercise for fat loss then I'm like yeah there isn't <laughs> no it's not the exercise that isn't why you should be exercising um yeah that's, interesting that's true. I've got in two weeks time um I have a guy called Paul who nobody will have heard of he's only got like a thousand followers um but he is an amazing sports scientist he works really closely with Eric Helms um and I've got him coming on and we're going to talk about different energy systems, different workouts, performance, fat loss, physique, and why energy systems, et cetera, are just not relevant if you have a goal to look good. Um, and then we're going to talk about the more performance stuff because I know we've got a few marathon runners on here. We've got a few strength lifters on here. So it should be really good. But in a couple of weeks, that'll be out. Everybody listen to it because I think just understanding the science behind it 
will mean that in future you stop overthinking it, even if you've been it, that you don't need to retain the information. Yeah. I love that stuff, obviously, because I geek out on it, but it is so, like, irrelevant to the vast majority of people. And what's interesting is when you sort of figure out energy systems or when you, like, understand the different energy systems and how they all work together, you realise, like, that's one of the amazing things your body does. Like, it will choose which energy system it needs to fuel whatever you're doing and which fuel will work best in which situation. Like, you don't need to worry about that. It does that for you. It's like when people worry about you know not people who aren't diabetics worry about how much insulin is being spiked or certain meal timings or the glucose load and all this kind of stuff you're like well actually your body's pretty freaking awesome at clearing blood glucose if you're lean fit healthy and you're doing all the right things so you don't need to stress about that like your hormones take care of themselves and the best way to take care of your hormones is just diet and exercise like generally decent diet and exercise it doesn't need to be anything particularly special but having you know if you're following the principles on the ec method then you're also looking after your hormonal function in regards to that as well yeah exactly um he's gonna go through like uh, metabolisms of certain things as well it'll be but this is the thing everybody over the, the, I, the okay i i'm hesitant a lot of especially on here especially when we're really coaching you guys to go too much into the science of anything as is emma um but the point i'm going to try and make with this podcast is that 99.9% of people really don't need to be going into this science. It's going to be interesting and I can't wait, but it's not going to be relevant for most of you. Are you um, going to go but, into like keto adaptation and... Uh, no, we're not going to go that uh, far. No, we're not going uh, to go that far. Um, although it'll be fun. Yeah, I just think that that's one of the more common myths, especially with like endurance athletes. Like, oh, maybe I should be keto ad- adapted. And you're like, actually, when you really get down to it, that you would... You, might be of a small benefit to like ultra endurance runners but even at the level of a marathon like you would want to have carbohydrate stores yeah but even yeah even then that okay you know what <laughs> let's stop and let's move on to el question is emma do you have anything that you want to add anything you've seen any trends um no i think that's a really good point and and i think if you are getting to i don't know week five or whatever and and i get that people would be a little bit annoyed that it took them this long to get their head in the game but if this is the last time you have to get your head in the game and you're not rushing it and you're not stressing out you're not beating yourself up that it's taken you five weeks and then you think oh i'll just cut my calories so that i get results within eight weeks and that's just turning into over restriction which you'll learn nothing from if you can be like okay do you know what it's taken a little while but I'm moving in the right direction I feel in a good headspace now I'm implementing these things now and actually if you just keep implementing them whether you're staying on or not you will keep getting results so try not to I know that it's like going against your human nature and everybody wants quick results I I mean we even want quick results so you're really questioning like your own biases and 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 working against almost what you're driven towards but that's how you're yeah. going to get results is just thinking longer term about this and not just going for that immediate oh but by the end of the eight weeks I might have lost two more pounds right but it's you've then created a diet that's not enjoyable and not sustainable for you yeah it's just a learning curve like we talk about like you know it taking a while to get going and your body not responding it's the same mentally it's going to take a minute you've got a lot of habits there that are set in stone and sometimes you need to be objective for the first week or two and be like oh that's a problem oh that's what I'm doing it's not it's not a bad thing you know this is probably like a huge benefit to actually taking your time easing into it um yeah like I mean a good example of that is working on your relationship with food and for a lot of people 
really working on their relationship with food means they might put on a little bit of weight for a period of time. So you're you're putting in that like, I don't know, it almost feels like you're taking one step backwards to go two steps forward. And actually long-term, that's gonna be so much better. And if you can really get some perspective and think long-term, if I put in the effort in now, work on my relationship with food, you know, maybe someone struggling with binging. Okay, let's take you out of a diet context, context altogether. Because all that's ever gonna happen if you keep trying to diet is you'll be stuck in that same cycle. And yeah, you'll lose a bit of weight and you'll put on a bit and you'll lose a bit and put on a bit but that might be the rest of your life. Whereas if you can be like, okay, I know I'm not gonna lose weight in the next eight weeks, but I'm bringing my calories up and I'm gonna get a hold of my nutrition. I'm gonna get a hold of this overeating problem that I have. And I'm gonna figure out really why that is and take the time needed to do that. It might be more than eight weeks, but that is a, such a better long-term thing. And then you go into dieting in a much better headspace, not over-restricting. And then that's like the rest of your life. Like yeah. if you're 30, that's like the next however many years. Like that's freaking important. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's mending your relationship with food in that context specifically. You are likely gonna gain some weight initially, but Emma's right. It's a, it's insurance you're putting in, you're gonna get back later. Um, that's a really great point. <clears throat> okay. Anything on the live to start us off? Mm. Um, such good advice about not trying to catch up and take a minute. Um, I was great at first, fallen a bit in the last few weeks but I can't find that time back. So time to move on and get back in the game without panicking, thank you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, is that it? Yes. Okay, Merge Lapel. <clears throat> Not a question. Oh no, we did this last time. <laughs> it was just... say, remember that name. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, um, we could just read it again. It's basically like five paragraphs of compliments. <laughs> let's start with how we ended last week <laughs> just to okay. recap um we're just still great <laughs> we're amazing you're all lucky no, I'm joking. <laughs> it is an absolute are... privilege <laughs> yeah okay i nearly told the story and then i was like let's just go into the question okay <laughs> becky lamley e to the c oh i like it i like Good it start. Good start. This is mainly just because I'm nosy, but what are your typical morning and evening routines? Emma was recently asked this on her Instagram stories, and I'm intrigued by what your answers would be. She also mentioned that she sets them for clients too. What would you recommend? For context, I'm trying to be more consistent with my bedtime. Lol, that makes me sound like I'm eight years old. And I'm working on getting enough sleep. Thank you all for your support on this program so far. It's round one for me and I'm learning so much. Great question. So um, I typically will get up, honestly, anytime around seven or eight, depending on how much I've got going on. <laughs> um, and I will come, the first thing I will do is I will come downstairs and I will let the dog out. Then I sort him out, do his food and everything. He psychos out around the garden comes in, feed him. When he's sorted out, um, I will then start cooking James and I breakfast. Um, and I, I have the same breakfast pretty much every day, whether I'm in or out of a fat loss phase. And I say this to everybody all the time, like eat foods you enjoy, like all people like have a habit around food, even if it's quote unquote bad food, you know, even if you're gaining, you know, weight and you're overeating typically or overeating the same things um uh, because we eat what we like and it's that simple um and you should be really eating what you like 
regardless of what of kind of what quote unquote phase you're in. Um, and my breakfast never changes. The only thing that changes is the amount, right? So if I'm trying to lose a little bit of body fat because I'm like I say going on holiday. I'll eat slightly less. Um, but I have the same breakfast every day. Um, typically it's like um like a kind of grain cereal with some with a grenade ready to drink is the milk, so I'm getting my protein in. Sometimes I'll also have like a slice of toast with a scrambled egg on top as well. That because for James, breakfast is like a three-course event. Um, by the time I'm eating the latter and I know I'm kind of done, this is when I start working, I will open my laptop or my phone and I'll basically do about an hour or so's work while I let my food digest. Um, and that is when I will go and train either at the gym or in the garage. Um, also typically, like I say, I always do about 20 minutes cardio after my workouts. Um, I'll also, that's when I'll do some work. I'll go through emails, go through some client questions, whatever little bits I can do on my phone. I don't need to be sat down at a computer to do come home. typically have like my my kind of early lunch which would be at like midday post-workout meal and then that's it I'm really dialed in then for the rest of the day to work until about 5 30 when I try and stop everything I take Bertie for a big walk <clears throat> come home and start cooking dinner for James and I cook dinner for James and I uh, normally we'll sit down and like watch something and then usually by nine o'clock we're up in bed and that is literally my whole day every day. I was going to say, she's like, what's your morning routine, Chloe? That's my day. I may as well just <laughs> tell my the whole, whole day. <laughs> Emma, I want to know yours. What's yours? Um, I think, so, so I'll tell you mine. And then I think like tips for, for people trying to figure this out, what's best for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I get up about six and then I will have a coffee, which you shouldn't do apparently, actually. You shouldn't have a coffee nope. first thing. But anyway, I do it anyway. <laughs> have a coffee, open my laptop, but I don't look at like emails yet. Like I'll do some actual work, whether that's content, whether that's writing the webinar, like something that my brain seems to be switched on best first thing in the morning. So something that I want to do. Sometimes I journal for a little bit, just write down things, basically mostly writing during that period of time. And then um, I'll do my pull-ups and my push-ups. So I do three sets of 10 pull-ups, three sets of 10 push-ups three sets of 10 rollouts at the moment because I was doing squats but my back wasn't particularly happy so mm-hmm. that takes me like three minutes or something then I have some breakfast and then I do like a couple of hours more work and then once I've done that I'll go off to the gym but the point with the morning routine like the only bit of that I would say is a morning routine is like the exercise bit really and and the practice of not getting up straight away opening your phone and opening emails like turn that shit off like if, if that's when you work well do your work then now I'm talking as if like everyone's self-employed so most people are going to get up and have a short period of time and then go to work what I think is really useful and really important it, and it can be as simple as my morning routine is I wake up I have a glass of water I do 10 push-ups and then 10 squats and then I don't like that's it maybe even just like this might seem a bit gimmicky but like some kind of like affirmation or like a little bit of journaling like one page of journaling of just like and, and journaling doesn't have to be all wishy-washy it could be what's the one thing that I want to get done today that's important to me something like that or it could be something like what are my core like if you know your core values which everyone should I think like go through their core values okay what, what are those for me okay well it's I don't know xyz it's being approachable it's being fun and it's giving education they, like say those those are three things that are important to me at the moment like tell yourself that because you'll behave in a way that like it's just reminding yourself of these little things and starting your day in that way is really important so if you're starting your day one like hydrating yourself and getting in a good breakfast 
And then two, like doing even a little bit of exercise, like the 10 push-ups you do are gonna make basically no difference. Although they do compound over time. So you think 10 push-ups makes no difference, but actually by the end of eight weeks, I'm not very good at maths, but that's 70 a week. 70 times eight is a lot, basically. <laughs> so like it does compound and it does have an impact, but I think the main impact isn't physiological, it's psychological. Okay, I've started my day right, I know that like the, the the other actions that I want to take during the day, I'm far more likely to take them in line with my goals. And I notice that myself, like if I don't do my push-ups sometimes, or like my pull-ups and push-ups, sometimes I'm like, oh, there's no point going to the gym, which makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. But I'm like, I've not started my day right the way that I normally start it. So that has a lead on effect on my decision-making and my actions throughout the day. So I would say it's like the number one hack for making better decisions it's just simply starting your day right. And and ideally, I would get outside. Even if it's literally, I go outside and I walk around my garden for 30 yeah. seconds. Like just a bit of fresh air. Like even if you just stand outside and have like five deep breaths and then get on with your day. Like the point is, morning routines don't have to be long. It has to suit you. It has to be something you do. This fuck all point being like, oh, I'm going to get up at four in the morning and do three hours of journaling. Like it's never going to happen make it 10 minutes max and consistently do it. And it would be good to see like if we could all do that for a week and just report back on the difference you feel. Cause I think that it has such a big difference. It does. It's routine around anything and everything makes life easier. And if you put in the work to set up a good routine, then you're going to reap the benefits of that good routine. And Emma's right. You know, we are very much speaking as two self-employed people, you know, and, it's fair to say that there are weeks at a time where, especially when I'm in London, um, there are weeks at a time where, you know, at nine o'clock in the morning, every morning I have to be in a certain place at a certain time to get to do X job. Um, whether that's, you know, doing three weeks of back-to-back studio recording podcasts, filming workouts or shooting workouts for books, or even just going in and doing edits with my editor. Like there are absolutely days where, or weeks at a time during the year where I basically am doing a nine to five. And, like I say, I don't really, I try really hard not to get up before seven. Like I'm a sleeper. I need my sleep. And without my sleep, I don't function. But on those days, on those weeks, I know, I know myself, I know my routine and I know my body. There's no way in hell after a hard, long day, I'm going to get back to my house at six or seven o'clock at night and do a workout. It ain't happening. It's not how I'm built. So on those days, it is fair to say, I do just make sure I get up an hour earlier I'll do a 45 minute workout, even if it's just at home, that's all you need to do. I maybe if I can be asked, go to the gym, but I'll do a 45 minute workout just at home and I do it fasted. So I'm not eating, cooking, waiting for food to digest. Once it's done, and like I say, usually it will be at home because um, I don't love getting up, you know, at 6 a.m. Get it done. And then I have my breakfast really quick, get up, get on with my day. And Emma's completely right on the days where I decide to sacrifice that for more sleep, it is harder mentally to stick to healthy decisions. Um, but the days where I just force myself to get up an hour early and get it done, the the healthy decisions flow because I've already started my day at a peak. So I don't really want to trough. Yeah, so, yeah. It's, it's so interesting how impactful that is. And I think when you talk about it, people are like, yeah, yeah, I get that. But when you really start to notice that in yourself, like if you're... I think of it like the sunk cost fallacy in reverse. So the sunk cost fallacy being that like once you've invested time, money, energy into something, 
you're much more likely to keep going in that pursuit, even though it's a sunk cost. And like, for example, if we started a business and put in loads of money into it, but the business wasn't successful and we were like, yeah, but we've put in all this money and we'll just keep doing it. And it's like, you're literally just throwing more money into a failing project. Yeah. Or you see it in relationships where it's like, this is a really unhappy relationship. Yeah, but we've been together for five years. Oh, okay, we'll just stay then because we've put all this time and effort into it. So you see that all the time, but you can use that psychology in reverse, as in I've invested something into this day already to get me closer to these goals. Like I've done my morning routine, I've done my push-ups, or I've started my day well, I've had a good breakfast, I got outside, then I'm in a positive mood. Like I'm not now gonna let that, like let myself down. Or as Chloe's saying, if you can work out in the morning, like you're all, you've yeah. already put that investment in, so you're much more likely to keep investing in that direction rather than like quote unquote lose that investment so that's quite interesting um what's your evening i already did it i did my whole day oh yeah yeah yeah. okay so so tips for for evening i think i'm really bad at this like i'll end up just faffing around and then i'm like oh yeah i go to bed at 10 and then it's like way later and i used to be better at it and even this question i'm like i need to do that again because i was so much yeah just more productive and felt much better like going to sleep getting enough sleep blah 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 so I do think, I know that in the question it was like, oh, I feel a bit silly saying I set myself a bedtime. That's so, so important. And like the yeah. routine of that for your circadian rhythm, I think, no, this is a bit of a bold statement, I'm not going to say it. But I was going to say it's probably even more important the amount of time you get, but I think it's almost equally as important. If you're just getting like eight hours sleep, great. But if it's willy nilly, like you're getting, going to bed at a certain time and waking up at a certain time, like it's so much better if you're going to bed and waking up at the same time. It's really, really good. It's really important for you, I think. In my, well, everyone, you know what we say this. Everyone's different. Some people are fine on less sleep, like higgledy piggledy hours, and some people, me, are like absolutely like I can't, I can't do well, it. Well, I like, think look, that's why I got a migraine. <laughs> well, this is the th- so this is the thing. So, like I say, like I my alarm will go off every day, any time between five thirty and six p.m. And it's like now the dog needs walking. That's gonna take me like an hour, right? By the time I get home, it's dinner time. I, I cook, like, and I love cooking as well. This is part of my enjoyment of my day-to-day life. So, you know, I James is super lucky that I cook all his food, but I also love it. I really enjoy it. This is when I cook, and you know, typically by like before sometime between seven and eight p.m., we're ready to sit down and eat. Now, as soon as that clock gets to nine nine p.m., it's two. We have two options, and this happens every night. We look at each other and we're like, "Shall we watch one more, or shall we go to bed?" Nine times out of ten, I'm like, let's watch one more. He's like, let's go to bed. <laughs> but, you know, this is it. And this is our nightly routine. And we don't deviate from this. And But I also just wanted to add just one thing. You know, we talk about, like, sunk costs. You know, there's no point in, like, staying in a shit relationship just because you're already in it. There's no point in, uh, you know, all, whatever, all the all the things that apply. But there is also something to be said for, except, well, I should say, noticing that a change of routine needs to happen and being okay with changing that routine. So this is not how my day used to go at all. I used to get up at 7.30 a.m. on the dot every morning and go straight to the gym and do a fasted workout. My life changed and evolved. You know, I got a dog. I have a husband. I am, you know, as much as it pains me to say it, like quite the domestic housewife. My life changed. And there was 100% a period where I really fought against it and I really didn't like that my routine was having to shift and you know it actually made you know my relationship with James a little bit kind of I don't know I guess resentful for a period of time I was really pissed off at myself I felt like I wasn't in control and it took lockdown actually the first lockdown for me to be like no hang on this is fine 
my routine has to change and I have to go with it. So it's fair to say, like, absolutely don't, you know, do, do make the start your day with the right choices, make the right decisions. Da, 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 da. But sometimes you actually have to understand that if a routine isn't working for you and you're really forcing it and you're really pushing it and it's making life harder, take a step back and reevaluate. Could I be doing this a different way, which will serve me better? Just because I used to go and do fasted workout at 7.30 on every single morning, six mornings a week. I can't do that now. That doesn't fit my life now. And you have to you have to constantly reevaluate, reevaluate the changes in your life and how you are going to best accommodate them to make it easy for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and which is why I'm like, we want to be quite clear here that there isn't a best routine. We're not telling you to do X. We're just saying starting your day somehow with some kind of positive is a really good way to start your day. And if that includes like a good breakfast, good hydration and a little bit of exercise, like freaking perfect. And what that looks like for you, again, like may vary with your t- what time of life you're in, what season of life you're in. But um, yeah, that's, that's why like there's probably principles, but you need to figure out what makes you feel good. And yep. sure as hell isn't lying in till two minutes before you need to be at work. Um, <laughs> well, I used to do it okay. as a teenager. I don't think when I had jobs as a teenager, I was ever on time for work. <laughs> it must have been like typical spoiled girl. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Love the tips. Thank you so much. I'm assuming you keep the same routine at the weekend. I'm going to try hard to be consistent this week. So I don't always... And I like some weekends I do, some weekends I don't. And I actually think it's really important to have, be able to do that, basically. The same as like, it's really important. Like we say that, you know, sometimes creating your own meal plan and having a bit of discipline is really important. But if you can never deviate from that, that becomes a bit of a mental problem. If I said to you like, do you know what? On Saturday, like you're gonna sleep in and you're not gonna do your morning routine. And you were like, oh no, I can't do that. Like that's like the line where yeah you want to be able to not do these things and not freak out about it but know that yeah like there is a benefit of having some structure some routine but I also have the flexibility to deviate from that if and when I want to yeah I mean I would say nine times out of ten it is the same for a weekend my days don't change and that's being self-employed and that's actually like I think so for a lot of people will hear what we do in the day and they'll be like oh you're so lucky like it's so fluid well, it's not, first of all, you know, we still have to sit down and fucking work every day. And also, <clears throat> but I do understand it is a lot more like I remember when James used to play rugby and he was so jealous of my days and how kind of how flexible they were. Um, but the, the downfall of being self-employed is that Monday through Sunday, for me anyway, and I'm sure Emma's, I mean, Emma's the hardest working person I know, so this will definitely apply to her. You work Monday through Sunday. You don't get a day off. And I, I can't remember the last holiday I had where I didn't, where I didn't work. Yeah. Like, you're always on and like that's and, and and also the guilt that comes when you switch off is like that's something I consistently have to work with and I'm getting really good at now but like it's tough like on the weekend it's exactly the same but I will say this like typically I will go out and see my friends either on a Friday or a Saturday or even like Sunday lunch um and the morning routine is exactly the same the only thing obviously well yeah the morning and yeah and the only thing that changes is the bedtime or you know whatever but yeah I mean, I'm pretty much living the same life Monday through Sunday. Tragic. Yeah, I mean, me too, although weekends feel slightly different. And they do don't... you know what's quite sad? <laughs> like, sometimes it just feels really different. Like, if we just, 
I don't know, have a call an hour later and I'm like, oh my God, like, do you know what I mean? It's like totally changes your whole day, which is actually quite sad. The last time I was like, oh my God, oh my God, was when we went from doing three lives a week to two. And I was like, oh, it literally felt like every day was Christmas day. It was, <laughs> it like, was wow. so, yeah, it was so different, wasn't it? Completely, yeah. Um, I I prefer the, obviously I prefer the weekends because that's when I don't have to deal with stuff like real life stuff. Like I'm selling my flat at the moment, which is great fun and all that really grown up stuff. And everyone's everyone's off for the weekend. So I definitely feel you get a bit more wiggle room. Agreed. Anything else in your life? Uh, I think we're good. Someone's just saying, oh no, wait, Ollie's got a question. Hi, it's Ollie. Hi, Ollie. Uh, (laughs) I have barely trained for the last two weeks, not even played tennis. Uh, for two and a half weeks been doing lots of walking and heavy lifting but calories have been low and protein often low lost two kilograms in the past four weeks still got one more week of the tour how do I get back on track it, it like part of me is like you've got one more week just enjoy the tour and then get back on track when but, you get back but does it mean how does he get back on track after the tour well, yeah but that oh, okay maybe yeah so I would just, just enjoy your last week and then slot back in. This is what I would do. I would get home, maybe give yourself a day, <clears throat> do a food shop, get the foods that you typically eat and that hit your calories typically day to day. Do a food shop, make sure you've got a bit of a rough idea of your meal plan, set your alarm to get up and go to the gym, do one thing, do a lifting, a lifting workout lifting i don't know what i'm trying to say do a lift or do a tennis session just one thing you don't need to go crazy and start the ball rolling it's that simple yep a grizzled grizzled okay sarah hughes hello round one for me and so far i've been doing the gym workouts in our home gym reed garage same babes I had a pretty horrific ankle injury three years ago. Oh, I don't know how to say this word. word. Trimialeola compound fracture. Oh, yes. Yes. The trimialeola. Yes. I know it well. Trimialeola. Whatever. And as a result, I have a reduced range of motion in my right ankle and I cannot do many of the leg exercises with correct form, e.g. squats. Am I okay to skip leg exercises that I cannot do? There are many. And double up on the ones that I can do. Deadlifts, etc. Thanks in advance. Yeah, look, guys, I say this all the time. We don't know what you can and can't do and what you do and don't have to pull out because we're not in your body. And add to that, we're also not physios. But it is fair to say if you can't do something because you have an, a, a long-standing or recent injury, don't do it. It's that simple. Um, redoubling up. I I don't, I'm not entirely sure what you mean, doubling up, but no, if, if if you're programmed, you know, three sets of 10 reps of a deadlift, don't do six sets of 10. Or, yeah, I, don't I think don't, like, I uh, don't know if she was literally meaning doubling up, which I wouldn't suggest. But if she's like, oh, I can't do squats, so I'm going to do some extra leg extensions. Like, because I can do those, even though they were also in the program on Tuesday or something like that. Yeah, yeah for sure. And, and I do similar, like there's only certain leg exercises I can do. So I do slightly more of those ones because... I can't do the other ones. So yeah, just be sensible with it. Don't actually double them. Um, and the other thing just to be aware of, and maybe you do a post and sort of tell us what you can and can't do, but 
you don't want to just be doing say hamstring dominant exercises and not get any quads in like so there will be stuff that you can do like for example quad extensions which shouldn't impact your ankle so that you're like hitting all the right muscles we don't want you going wonky okay okay dear clemma i am loving everything about the ec method and i'm definitely staying on for round two yay that being said i'm going back home to switzerland to see my family for the first two weeks of october i haven't been home in two years thanks to covid as much as i'm excited about going i'm also a bit worried about how i'm going to stay on track i can get in my steps and do my home workouts and I can also control breakfast and snacks, but lunches and dinners I have with my parents and they are big wine drinkers. On top of that, it's my birthday on the 11th, so there will be meals and celebrations. How can I avoid this ending in a disaster? Thank you ever so much. You two are the best. Okay, Chilla, fantastic question. So oh, there's two ways of looking at this. One, the fact that you say that you can have like a consistent breakfast is brilliant. Um, I would of honestly, obviously you're tracking, forego the snacks if you know that you're going to be spending calories on lunches and dinners with your parents, which is great. And you should really enjoy this time with them. You haven't seen them in two years and it's your birthday and you're going home for two weeks. Don't forego these these lovely moments you're going to have with your family just so that you can stay on top you know, of your quote unquote diet. But I would say that like getting in a consistent breakfast every day, foregoing the snacks, and it's fantastic as well that you can stay on top of your expenditure with your steps and your workouts. And this is what I would say. You're, this is compromise, not sacrifice. It's a perfect example of that. Consistent, hopefully lower calorie breakfasts with, and I, I don't want you to fast and then go into some mega lunch because that's a really bad idea. A consistent kind of lower calorie breakfast, keeping on top of steps and workouts absolutely amazing when it comes to lunches and dinners enjoy them but just be a bit smart just don't be all or nothing mentality don't be fuck it bucket mentality enjoy them but when you've had enough and someone says do you want another x you just say no um or you know if there's something that you don't you're not really enjoying on your plate don't eat it just because it's there like just be smart about it and enjoy it i mean not seeing your family for two years it's going to be oh it makes me emotional just thinking about it yeah i I agree and like this is part of what the webinar is about and what we were discussing the other week isn't it that you can like completely ruin like you've not seen them for two years if you're going over and like stressing about the fact that it might be a quote-unquote disaster like it will not be a disaster even if you come back and you put on weight it's not a disaster we just work from there it will come off again you can i mean this is the thing like i think it was asked on my story yesterday like would you be upset if you quote unquote lost your abs? I'm like, no, body fat comes and goes. It fluctuates. Like it, you're in control of these things. If you decide, yeah, do you know what? I just want to go and have a great time with my family. I'm going to be sensible, but I'm also going to be realistic that I might put on a little bit of body fat. Fine. If you want to do that. I mean, you, you absolutely can do it and enjoy yourself without putting on body fat as well. But that's a choice that you need to make. And it's certainly not a disaster. And you can absolutely just lose the weight again when you come back. Yeah, we kind of go back to what I was saying before about like, we get into trouble when you fight against changes and fluidity of life. Life is transitory. It's never going to be like how I just said what my routine is. There are periods of my life and there will be periods of my life where that isn't an option. We get into trouble where we, this is what I mean, where we fall all or nothing. Like, And instead, we need to get into a mindset of working with what we've got. What can we do and where do we need to give some room? giving room at lunch and dinner so you can enjoy your parents' company is perfectly acceptable. 
and what can you do to keep you on track is the expenditure and the breakfast like this is per- a perfect example and exactly what Emma said so what you gain a couple pounds while you're there who cares you come back we get back into your routine you'll lose them like this is really really important and this is what the EC method is all about literally and, this is how you set it up but like it's, but like it's it's almost easier when you're going away you're going out of your normal routine like your routine is here to slot back into when you get back it's not like everything's changing here like I think sometimes when you go on holiday it's so different that you're that when you come back it's not that hard to get back into it yeah for sure the first couple of days are always going to be a little bit hard but then you're like okay yeah it's actually not that bad uh and yeah we just want you to go and enjoy yourself the other thing you can do is pick certain things so for example if you know that you're having a couple of big birthday nights and there's one or two meals where I don't know your family and extended family are coming and you can be like okay those are my those are my like bigger days and the other days like yeah do you know what we are having dinner every single night for 14 days so I don't need to go all out every single night for 14 days and you can sort of pick and choose what you do and maybe you don't drink every night maybe you just choose three or four occasions where you're going to drink yeah that's that's really good advice <laughs> so I always talk about this this is what I had to learn coming out of lockdown I was like yeah maybe you should stop drinking every night um okay we actually only have one more question on the post oh good <laughs> yeah uh, do we have anything on the live um thanks ladies only one day off really this week just an hour oh okay right it's ollie <clears throat> only one day off really this week just an hour to a nine hour drive back from edinburgh oh back on the road tuesday got so much to do tomorrow but got a quick hour of tennis booked and 30 minutes PT. Finally pick up my car after four weeks. Had to get the whole subframe replaced. Gosh. Uh, hope you are fully recovered from your migraine, Emma. Thank you. And uh, I feel a lot better than I did. Um, but yeah, it sounds like, I mean, sounds like enjoy the next week. It's going to be pretty mental for you. And then get back into a good routine once the tour's over. Mm. I would also encourage you in this last week to bomb rush the stage, take that mic and have your own farewell. (laughs) Did you hear about that um, flight attendant who quit and his way of quitting was he popped the emergency side on the runway, popped two bottles of champagne and was like, I'm quitting, I'm out, bitches. And then got like literally got down the side and immediately got arrested. They were like, that's highly illegal. (laughs) Throwing straight in the side. I was like, he's a hero. Give him an award. I mean, worth it, right? So worth it. Um, right, okay, last one. Emma Stevens. Hey, Clemma. Sorry, this is long. This is long, but I've already skim read it, and it's all very relevant. Sorry, this is long. I've waited a few weeks to share this, and I've been trying to figure things out in my own head, but now I think I need your expertise. This is round two for me, and since starting, I've dropped 7 kg. While progress this round has been a bit slower due to me being a bit inconsistent with my tracking while on my night shifts, I am making progress in the gym, hitting my steps and protein every day, four workouts a week. I'm feeling so much stronger and positive. I've signed up for another round with a fat loss goal. I'm currently at around 60 kg. My question is about self-sabotage. In the past, I've over-restricted and overtrained. A few years ago, I got down to 51 kg. I'm five foot two. And while I was super lean, I was going through a separation and felt the lowest mentally that I'd ever felt. 
I remember confessing to my PT at the time that I was only managing to eat about 800 calories a day. And he told me just to eat anything to get some more calories in. I did get some help, but I never really addressed everything. I've been reflecting recently about my inconsistency with tracking and calories. And I think I still have this fear when it comes to my weight. I'll go too far or that I uh, that I'll go too far or that if my weight drops below a certain amount, I'll end up at the same low point mentally again. So when I see myself making progress on the scales, I have the urge to over restrict, which maybe lasts a day or two. Then I hear my old PT telling me to just eat anything. So then I do. I'm stuck in a vicious cycle. I'm not really sure what my question is other than how can I break this mental cycle of progress on the scales, triggering fear and over restriction. Thank you for your advice and guidance so far through these two rounds. You ladies are the best coaches a girl could hope for, Emma. Aww. How amazing. Um, this is also, also really, really insightful. normal psychologically that when you go through something quite traumatic, all, so a lot of the time it will happen with like locations or even people, specific people, you kind of, you tend to you have to really work on yourself to kind of go back there or re-see those people again but there's absolutely fair to say that during a time where you were at your mentally lowest you were at your lightest and leanest and when you see yourself getting back to that point it triggers that in you that trauma and and you kind of go the other way with it it's really interesting to give an example that I remember once I got the norovirus in the middle of a photo shoot and a week later we had to schedule it I was sick in front of everyone I was on the floor the ambulance had to come I couldn't get up it was awful and I had to reschedule the shoot a week later and it was like the fear I didn't sleep like the fear and the dread and like the anxiety and it was awful it was fine once I got there but it was really intense so I and I can I can kind of relate in that weird way um I love it that you've noticed this and you're doing work on it. And I think really this is about being really gentle with yourself and really observing and sitting with this observation and what you're seeing going on and thinking your way through it and working your way through it. I would really, this is a real, real melting pot of mental approach, psychology, and also coaching, like practical coaching. I would really like it if you could do me a little check-in and send me some photos. We can look at what your end goal is. We can look at where you are now, and maybe we can create a different coaching method, a different behavior pattern, a different thing, which is going to help shift lanes for you mentally to get you off the lane you're on now, which I totally understand, and put you on a completely new behavior and pattern lane um to try and intercept this but it is fascinating and you're probably going to really benefit because if this is happening there'll be other stuff going on too around this time you haven't you haven't quite healed which is fine from quite a traumatic time and so i think speaking to a professional re everything else is going to really really help you but yeah do me a little check in and let's see if we can switch lanes here a bit for you emma what are your thoughts on that firstly i think it's really like amazingly insightful and like incredible self-reflection because most times like someone will go to a therapist and they're like oh this is what you're doing and you're like oh shit yeah that is what I'm doing I hadn't figured it out myself but actually that you've been like okay these are the like actually my worry is going back to that mental space even though yeah. rational you will know you know that it was circumstantial and you're not going to be going through did she say she was going through a breakup or a separation or something but anyway you won't be so going just through that same being thing. that reminds her of it yeah yeah 
Um, and I think a slow, <laughs> slow process and also just not, don't do the over-restriction this time. Like, and some reassurance from us, like it won't be the same this time for numerous reasons. Like one, you have us to support you. Two, we're not going to do the over-restriction. Three, it's not a race. We're not going to, you're certainly not going to be on 800 calories. I get what the personal trainer was saying about just eat anything, but I think because it's then been taken out of that context, like it's no longer useful advice and you need to sort of that, like, let's just ignore that advice now. Let's not think about that. As soon as you make progress on the scales, don't think, oh, well, I may as well just eat anything. Like, just, just take it slow and be consistent. And I think, yeah, well done for reaching out, do as a check-in and hopefully we can rationalize some of this. I completely agree, Re, and I thought that when I read it. Um, I actually don't think that that was bad advice for that time period of your life, for what you were going through. I really don't think if someone's going through a horrible, horrible time and they're really struggling to eat, and they're into obviously you're into your health and fitness, your training, you had a PT. I don't think that's bad advice for your PT to have been like, just eat whatever, just eat something. Like we, we want to take care of your body on like a physiological level here. You know, and that's that's when food really is fuel, really, when you're when you're struggling to eat. And that's not bad advice. But Emma's right. Taken out of context with where you are now in your life. Of course, that's inappropriate advice. And I think that's, you know, like Emma said, you're obviously incredibly insightful. This is all like the penny has clearly dropped. I don't sometimes when people come with like self-sabotage questions, Emma and I are like, hmm, are you overthinking it? Which is normally what it is. To me, that really rang quite true and quite authentic. And yeah, th- that's interesting. Because I thought that like, as soon as you said self-sabotage, I was like, here we go. Yeah. I mean, or like, is it self-sabotage or are you just being impatient? Because that's yeah. normally what it is. It's like, oh, I'm self-sabotaging because every time after two weeks when I didn't get results, I just overeat. And it's like, I mean, technically, yeah, it's self-sabotage, but yeah, like there's not an, whereas this seems like legit. Actually, yeah. Yeah. It's trauma here. And that makes, it makes perfect sense. One plus one equals two. And it's, it's really incredible. Um, I think also, you know, Who's to say that you, the other thing, that, the thing that I thought when I was reading it was, who's to say that you need to get that lean again? Who's to say that's where you're headed? We might be able to stop a fair few kg shy of that. Have you be really happy in your body and not even have to go that far? Now, that's not really the crux of the problem, but there's still something to consider. There's still, that again, that's a nice pattern interrupt. And this is what you need. You need a pattern interrupt, Emma. So <clears throat> it's a nice pattern interrupt for you to think, okay, the scales are moving towards, let's say, 58 kg but there's no reason why I need to go back down to 51 for example right and and it it is this is pattern interrupt work I feel fairly certain that's what a therapist would want to do with you um and it's also fair to say like as much as it applies to everybody like I said at the beginning of the live regardless of your psychological situation it applies to you too we want consistency here so we don't want you dropping down to 800 and then eating whatever you want no 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 Again, pattern interrupt. Every single time you start to think about this and you start to strategize this 800 calorie, eat what I want, the scales are doing this, stop and be like, no, no, I need to stay consistent with my diet. Just like everybody else does, maybe for a different reason, but that's what you need to do. Um, All things to think about and all nice pattern interrupts to consider. And I still would love a check-in from you and some photos, please. Agreed. Okay, we've got a couple of questions on the live. Can I ask a question, please? Is it true that lifting heavy weights will make you bulky, but lifting lighter weights with more reps won't? It sounds like shit, but I wanted to check with you. Thanks for helping us going through our going through your hilarious podcast. I'm often found laughing on my dog walk. You're welcome. We are funny. <laughs> We're so funny. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, that's bullshit. It's bullshit. There's, there's, there's different 
different reasons why you would lift heavier and or lighter weights and absolutely none of them have anything to do with getting bulky or not getting bulky period <laughs> okay can chan here hi lush ladies i want your thoughts on something one of my fave bodybuilders swore by dorian yates would often lament good pick good pick of the bodybuilder about well coming up in the gym with no mirrors around him etc so he could just focus on his lifts and his body uh, I feel there's so much fixation on how we look. Would you say there's some benefit in getting a big baggy hoodie for a set period of time so that when we strip off, we might actually see ourselves in a more loving manner? For context, I often do this, but other times train in the most skimpiest sports bra in the gym. <laughs> um, I don't think that's why he was doing it. I think no. it was more to do with feeling the muscle connection rather than getting, you know, posing in front of mirrors or getting distracted. And there is some, I th like a lot of, uh, I guess, more strength and conditioning style things will get rid of mirrors because you're actually often looking at yourself, like the time course between your movement and you seeing yourself and then that like reflecting back to you. It Really, you want to feel the movement. It's probably more important for things like a clean you know a really fast powerful movement where if you're actually watching yourself and trying to change given what you're watching you're going to be too slow so it's more about feeling that yeah. so i can see why he's done it i don't know i mean sure if you want to wear a baggy jumper i don't know if i would do it to like then reveal what was underneath <laughs> the big reveal um i Again, I agree with Emma. I don't think that he necessarily, as a bodybuilder specifically, was doing that. I mean, maybe he might have said, you know, kind of as a passing comment, like, oh, I, you know, so I'm not distracted looking at myself or anything like that. I think Emma's right. It will have been about mind to muscle connection. It will have been about really thinking about executing the lift. Now, on the flip side of that, and this is where we talk about different people training differently, being different. On the flip side of that, I find it hard. There's no mirrors in our garage and I find it hard um making sure that my form's right because I can't see myself because I'm not lifting in that Olympic lift style um so I personally find it really really helpful now in terms of body image yeah I actually think just not not in terms of when you're training but I think generally and I've talked about this before I got to a point initially I found it really motivating to kind of body check while I was en route to getting, you know, in physique shape or whatever for a photo shoot and I found it really motivating and it really drove me um, especially because I had definitely like pinup girls that I was trying to emulate with my physique. And it was really helpful as well to see like what areas of my body I needed to work on more versus less. You know, we all know I've got huge quads and like smaller glutes. So like that's something I try and work on. Um, and it really helped. And then as I got more and more into it, it actually was the, it was a self-sabotage factor. I was constantly looking at my body. I was getting impatient. It was totally distracting me from doing everything I had to do just to get to the fucking end. And I was constantly diverting off track and I had to stop doing it. So I do think there is something to be said for not doing that, ticking the boxes and, oh, wow, look, one day I woke up and I'm actually at the point where I wanted to be at. And now we can change the goal. Um, so, yeah, I do think there's something to be thought about there. Yeah, I used to, so the last gym that I PT'd face-to-face -face in didn't have any mirrors. Yeah. It was quite nice, actually. Yeah. I did, it actually took me ages to notice. Then I was like, oh my God, there's, there's no mirrors in here. Normally, you know, like behind the dumbbells, there's a load of mirrors. Behind the squat rack, there's a mirror. But no, none in the whole gym. 
it does you credit that it took you ages to notice. I would have been like, why's my mail <laughs> Where did I make selfies? Um, okay, if you had... Oh, this is quite good. Re the self-sabotage question. If you think of it as an echo from the past, the emotions and thoughts may be the same, but it's not the same. You're not the same and you're not... And you are safe and not in a breakup. Yeah. Um, all right. PTSD can take on many, many forms and many intensities. And I think people hear PTSD and they're like, <gasps> no, this is a smidge of PTSD. And, and honestly, all it means is that you still have some work to do, from, which it, you would. I mean, that's a big thing to go speaking as someone who is married. Like, and, you know, obviously, James and I have had massive, massive blowout rows and things like this have been thrown around. And like, I can only imagine how much of a, a mental and like emotional I mean, challenge it would be to go through something like that and get to the other side. And I think you're, you are on the other side now, but you might just have a little bit of cleanup to do in your head. And that's completely to be expected. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And also read the book Untamed. I think oh, yeah. it would be very empowering for you. I've been recommended that so many times. I should probably buy that now. <laughs> it's quite... Although, actually, I... I I've only listened to half the book and I listened to a podcast by Brene Brown interviewing the girl that wrote it, the woman that wrote it. And yeah. um, I think it basically covers everything. <laughs> or like, m- well, maybe not everything, but like in a large part. If you just want to listen to that, then I'll just listen yeah. to that. I've bought books based on like, um, what's it called? Uh, Chuck Malachuk. I've bought books based on TED Talks that I've heard. And then I'm like, I, you know, I got yeah. it all from the talk. But it's still great. I mean, it's still, you know, I'm reading. This is, oh, talking about nighttime routine. When we go to upstairs to bed, we normally will read for an hour. And this is something, James, I had to really get him away from being on his phone. But it's such a nice way to just chill your mind and fall asleep. Mm. Yeah. I think that often happens with self-help books. There's like one underlying message. And I'm like, you could have said this in one chapter. But then it turned into like a 10 chapter book. I'm also really like I'm a real snob about who I take my self-help advice from I'm like if you haven't like that I said this on Instagram there's way too many PTs out there in their like 20s and 30s who've like never traveled never done anything nothing's ever happened to them writing self-help books and I'm like why why I don't like what have you gone through have you really gone to the brink and is it like a complete fucking phenomenon that you're still here whether it's like emotionally mentally physically whatever it might be if you haven't and you're still standing here with a megawatt smile on your face, I don't care. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I agree. And like, I actually cringe to think of myself, not that I was anywhere near like self-helping. And to be fair, like my workouts were still great. My nutrition knowledge was good, whatever. But when I was like 20, just graduating uni or 21, I was training people that <laughs> just thinking like, oh God. It's awful. You're just like, because I I was just under the headspace of like, just do it. Like, (laughs) and this thing, like, in the context of what we do, Emma and I giving you advice, re routines, diet, training, we're very experienced. We've done it. We've had the clients. We've done, I mean, it's been like a decade for both of us. Like, that's one thing. But like, people giving out advice, especially, you know what? One, yeah, you know what? I just won't. I'm just, let's stop. Because you know what I'm like. (laughs) Yeah, let's keep it for the webinar tomorrow, which, by the way, uh is tomorrow you can sign up on the website and you're all yeah, welcome tomorrow. 
Yeah, we're not doing a live tomorrow, guys, because we're doing the webinar. And to be honest, you're probably going to get as much, if not more, from that than you would from a live. Plus, we've done all the questions, actually. So, so perfect. Cool. We've nailed it. <laughs> okay, we've got one I've... more question, but I actually don't know enough about this right now to answer. Um, it's about a syndrome that someone's <laughs> dad has. And um, I know the importance of muscle protein synthesis. But is it also important for regeneration of new tissue, i.e. repairing nerve tissue? Uh, it Like it will be, but I don't think you can target that. And I'm not sure how big an impact it would have. But I mean, yeah. most, I mean, if it's your dad, I don't know how old you are, but like maybe a slightly older man. Um then trying to increase his protein anyway would be a good idea if he is had just been diagnosed with something i would it's an autoimmune disease i don't know i would just get it checked just you because you may as well um yeah you need to you need to have a nice crossover from a his specialist and a dietitian because the, the re registered dietitians which emma and i are not are qualified in real specificities like this um and won't get sued giving the wrong advice which we will um I have read some interesting research on HGH and but you know what it's just not even worth going into it yeah it and a lot of these things it's like if he's being treated then the effect of like small changes in your diet might just be like a drop in the ocean now mm. but I would say generally out with that anyway increasing protein is probably going to be a good thing but I would yeah just always go and get that checked first and and potentially creatine although yeah yeah all right then okay we'll see you guys tomorrow at the on the webinar at 7 p.m um emma keeps saying this to me it's much more of a structured live than what we normally do but you will uh hopefully you'll get some good takeaways from it we've already had a fair few amount of you sign up for round for the next round which is great because we're not by mid December we're, we're stopping so it's a really nice thing to do guys if you're like oh I think I'm going to be all right oh I'm a little bit worried about going into the festive season um it's a really nice thing to do to kind of get those patterns in motion get those behaviors in motion so that when you are faced with this very indulgent season you can navigate it with both fun and self-care <laughs> perfect yeah yeah just to reiterate that this is the last round of this year yeah that's mad and we are taking like I think, what is it? We're taking three or four weeks off. So yeah, like I say, and also if you sign up to this round, we are not going to leave you going into said festive season with jack shit, nothing. We're going to leave you with files. We're going to leave you with workouts. We're going to leave you in a new Facebook group. We're going to, well, actually, no, we'll leave you in the Facebook group. <clears throat> or will it be new? I don't know. We'll discuss we'll that see. later. But Basically, we will support you over the festive season. So that you will be going into it with our love and guidance. Um, and if you don't sign up to the next round, then yeah, <laughs> then you don't, <laughs> yeah. then you don't. So there you go. Okay. Bye. <laughs>